When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. everyone this is david welcome back behind the velvet rope let's just get right into it today because we are joined by the one and only mr carlton wilborn how are you i'm good how are you sir happy happy monday right it's monday isn't it it is monday (laughs) it is monday um it's been a long monday i have to say all ready for you yeah it's been a busy day where are you in the world, actually? I don't know where you are. I'm so, in LA. Are you? Okay, so I, I'm in New York City. Okay, so you get three hours on me. So, okay, so that makes sense. Yeah, so it's the end of the day for you. It is, but you know what? I work. I just work. I'm so busy at work. But I have to say, I am a morning person. So I'm one of those crazy people that gets up like at 5 or 6 a.m. 4, 3.30, 4 or 5. I used to. I really, so I used to be in the gym at like 4 a.m., but wow. now it's more like 7 a.m. So I wake up at six, I do an hour of coffee, and then okay. I do the gym. So by like 8 a.m., I'm like, let's go. But then at the same time, when people are like calling me at like 10.45 at night, I'm like, oh, sweetie, I'm, I'm asleep now. Right, so, you're like, I'm done. It's a wrap. <laughs> I don't know. I just love being an early morning person. Yeah. I've always been that way. I, I tend to average about five hours. You know, like really like four days a week, I am honestly probably on four and a half to five hours sleep. Wow. Then I'll need, like I can do that for about five, six hours. I mean, five, six days, nights. And then like my catch up day is like, ooh, I slept seven hours. Wow. I wish. Big hour. Yeah. I never sleep more than that. I could do like six or seven, but then like seven, but then like my thing is like, I, I love a weekend nap. Like I like, will do like a Saturday, this is my day and I will sleep from like, I mean, not every weekend, but like <laughs> when I'm like, okay, David, like be kind to yourself for a minute. I'll sleep from like one in the afternoon to like five and be like, wow. Yeah, but like literally that's like my treat. Wow. So how is LA now? Is it like... How is LA in regards to like the world changing? Oh, yeah. yeah, no, I mean, how is LA? LA is great right now. It's nice because folks are conscious about all that stuff. Um, you know, I have the advantage of living in a place, you know, as opposed to the East Coast, or at least as opposed to Manhattan, where a stressful day, you have palm trees. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like a stressful day... I you did. can go to a nice beach that's not too far away, or you can get into the mountains, which is literally, if you're in Hollywood, it's it's a 10-minute drive. Like, you can escape the city in 15 fucking minutes. 
That's Sorry. why that, you could swear all you want on here. Sorry. I have the worst. Sorry. I'm from New York. I have the worst mouth in the whole world. <laughs> so it's good here. It's good here. And, and, and the weather right now is really nice. It's super sunny out. It, well, actually, today it's about eight degrees warmer than yesterday. So we're like oh, wow. mid 80s. It's so good and sunny. Mid 80s well, and sunny. Listen, I've, I've had moments of thinking that I would go somewhere else for like six months. What are you waiting for, dude? I know. I'm one of, because listen, I mean, listen, New York will always be like my home. So you're originally, originally from where? Connecticut. Like I grew up between Connecticut and New York. Okay, cool. Same thing. Now, wait, you're not from LA. Where are you from again? I'm from Chicago. Yeah. I knew that. Yeah, I um, grew up there on the South Side. I'm the baby of five. So I have two older brothers, I mean, two females and two brothers than me. Um, and I've been out here for 31 years. So it just passed Mark. 31 years I've been here. It's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So how do you say, wait, firstly, how do you pronounce your last name? Yontef. Yontef. That's a it's, cool name. You think? It, it means holiday. Yontef? It's German. Super. It's German Jewish. What does it mean? Holiday. It literally means holiday. I have family that changed. I have family that changed the last name to holiday. So there you go. Yontef. Yontef is a good, like that's good just by itself. You think? And everyone, Yontef. You know, it's very, it's, I'm not a religious, but it's, it's a very Jewish name. Like if you're, it is. Yontef, Yentl. See? <laughs> you, you've, kind of, you've kind of got it. I'm just saying. What was your childhood like? How's that? Oh, there you go. Is that, is that better? Now we're working, baby. Like, tell me, how yeah. was childhood no, how in was Chicago? My childhood? My, my childhood was, um, it was good and wild. You know, it was good in that, um, firstly, we were where I lived on the south side of Chicago. My family was the third black family on that block, you know, when we moved there. By the time I was a teenager, it had pretty much flipped the whole other way. So I grew up with parents that were um, very cosmopolitan, right? And so there was a, there was a being in the big city kind of vibe to me growing up you know, kind of who they were. They were both very stylish and very sexy. And it was very playful energy like that around my house. At the same time, there was a lot of drama, you know, dad drank too much. Mom was Whitney Houston, straight up. I've literally always said that my mom was basically a Whitney Houston. She was pulled and she knew how to bevel and the feet were angled and she knew how to do the neck and the thing. And she would fucking street ratchet, curse you out and whoop ass in five minutes. That was Johnny May. Yeah, yeah, she knew how to pull. So I grew up in this feisty, fun kind of dynamic at home. It was me again, I had two sisters and brothers, five of us. I was, I came here, you know, like on earth, a pretty brazen kind of soul. So I was always like talking out to like adults and like getting in trouble in school because I yak too much. And that was me. 
And so then school happened and I got kicked out of school when in seventh grade, cause I was being Carlton and causing fights. I like, I'm a street nigger, like I am. And like, I like to fight. Like I, I mean, I used to like to fight. I don't fight on the street now, but I did. And like, I would cause them and like me and my friends would like strategize. Like, on recess, make sure you push me into so-and-so so I can oop slip and rip his shirt. Cause you know, and then anyway. So you it's got a different kicked life, out. David. You listen, bringing out some shit in me, dude. I don't know. Listen, we anyway. like to go deep here. <laughs> we like so to like that was part of my upbringing. And, and then very young, you know, at 14 years old, pretty much is when I realized that I wanted to be a dancer. Really? Saw this white chick on the news, got enamored, hunted down the company, Hubbard Street Dance Company in Chicago. It's the main company there. Um, and then within six months, I found the company. I started studying there. And then I was immediately taken in to be an apprentice. By the time I was 17, I had my first professional gig in Paris at the George Pompidou Center with Hubbard Street. That was my first official gig as a professional dancer. But I started dancing in high school. I was part of a, of a dance troupe in high school called Guys and Dolls at Whitney Young Magnet High School. Me and Michelle Obama, same class, dancing around. And um, yeah, so that's kind of how it all started. And then I knew right away that dancing was not my only beat. Dancing was really a fixer, dude, for me to get out of Florida. I thought I was going to do all of high school in Florida. I used to go there every summer to, with my brother, Tony, and study karate. So that's how I first got into my body, honestly, was doing that kind of shit. And then um, some stuff started going down. I started getting sexually abused. And that started at eight years old and lasted until I was 13. Um, with a gentleman who was my karate instructor. He was the, he was the son of my aunt's boyfriend. So my aunt had a boyfriend, his son. He was 26, I was eight years old when he started doing what he did. So, you know, man, that colored a lot of things in me. And, uh, you know, for five years, it had skewed my sexuality, you know, or me it skewed my, it skewed that, or it opened it, however you want to look at it, you know, because um, that was the kind of situation where, you know, he was doing with what he was doing with me as an eight-year-old, him 26, telling me at the same time that he hoped, you know, in private, that he hoped I never got to a place as a grown man where every time a man touched me, I would get turned on after he just had me do with him what he had me do with him. So, you know, that tangled a lot of shit, you know, that I'm still undoing. Um, so upbringing was fun because I was traveling young, you know. This was fun when I was, so my first gig gig, like entertainment gig, my oldest brother, I don't fucking know how he got this job for us, but he got us a, a, a Saturday afternoon gig 
performing at a nightclub in Chicago at the time called Dingbats. And every Saturday they had bar mitzvahs. And me and my brother Bobby would perform for the bar mitzvahs. And then we would like teach them some steps from the bus stop in the hustle. And that's what our gig was. I, it was downtown. I don't know how, I didn't say I was a dancer. I didn't say I wanted to be a dancer yet. I don't know how the hell my brother put that together, but it was the best, funnest thing ever. And so I think like that's where my sort of like Jewish kinship really honestly started because some of my best friends today, my dearest, dearest friends, Andrea, ride or die, Jewish, solid, has my back. I've always had an extra affinity with y'all tribe, so. We'll take it. With the Yotes. We'll take it. Such. So that's some of my world. Well, you would do very well in New York then, because I mean, it's all Jews. <laughs> I mean. I never thought about it like that, dude. You know? I never thought about it like that. Did you want to, was like the dancing, because like you were on the road, was that must have been a good thing too? I mean, to escape what was going on with your 26 year old. For sure. I mean, the dancing and just being able to get out of the house and out of the neighborhood, you know, was a great escape, you know, because the studios and stuff were all the way downtown about an hour and a half on public transportation for me, or if I drove, it was like 45 minutes. So yeah, and then being on the road and then, you know, I'm, a, I'm on the road, dude. I'm having like custom clothes made for me for the dance company, but still they're custom clothes made for me. And I'm having, you know, I'm getting to travel and then they have somebody that gives us guidance when we're there. I was a little black boy from the South Side of Chicago. That shit felt real good. It was amazing. What, what was a, the young Michelle Obama like? Um, she was very quiet. She was very, very quiet and very uh, non-pizzazz. Was she at a that good time? Was she a good dancer? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. But you got that she wasn't about the dance. She was a very good dancer, but you just got like, she didn't have that hungry for that thing that some of us had. And that just makes you stand out in a different way. It makes you stand up in a different way, you know, and now it all makes sense because of what her interests, it makes sense that her interests could not have ever been that if she's as pulled to the direction that she is right now. So it all makes sense. Yeah. We all have uncompromising standards in so many aspects of our lives. Listen, I love to eat healthy and I try not to eat junk food. And when I go on vacation, I'll admit it. I like staying in really nice hotels. It makes a difference. So why would I, and why should you skip out on quality where we spend a third of our lives sleeping? Since I have turned to bowl and branch sheets, I cannot tell you what a better night's sleep I am getting. The husband and wife team that started bowl and branch realized there were no sheets on the market that met their standards for quality. So what did they do? They created their own. These sheets are so super soft. They're expertly crafted. They're smooth and they are so lightweight. I cannot tell you the organic cotton makes them feel so lightweight. Now, all of that is great. But you guys know me. I wouldn't use these sheets if they didn't look a certain way. The look is phenomenal. It's very classic. I say simple, 
elegance. And right from the minute the package arrives, it has this gorgeous white bow on it. It's just a five-star experience all the way. I love these sheets. I sleep better and I will never turn to another sheet brand, Bowling Branch. So listen, to experience an entirely new standard of comfort, visit bowlandbranch.com. Get 15% off your first set of sheets with the promo code VELVET. That's B-O-L-L and branch.com promo code velvet start sleeping better in lightweight smooth luxurious sheets tonight so you then were traveling and then how did you end up did you go just travel and then end up in la or did you go back to chicago ever no, yeah no i did quite a bit of traveling so i was in chicago with hubbard and then i initially left there was a gentleman named john mcfall who was the artistic director with ballet met it's in columbus ohio he had come to set some pieces on hubbard street right so that's how i met him he liked what i was about and invited me to be a guest artist with his company for nine months as like their main guy and they paid me a stipend and paid for my apartment for nine months and I got a salary as well. And then they made a bunch of original pieces for me. So I did that. And then I, um, yeah. And then I left and went to Australia because I was just always moved by that name. Literally the word Australia, which is getting me going. I don't know why initially. Yeah, it was crazy. And then there was a music video called Wild Boys. And um, Duran Duran. Duran Duran, exactly. Oh, I know yes. it. You know that video? I know. All it. of the scaffolding movement and dancing shit blew my mind. I was like, oh my God, what is that? What is that? Found out that was the entire company from the Sydney Dance Company were the dancers in his video. So I was like, oh my God, they were kind of the closest to what we were doing in Chicago because our company was mainly a jazz based company but everybody had to be classically trained sydney dance company did a similar thing but they had more theatricality and more acting elements to it and i was like <clears throat> i was like popcorn like that's exactly what i want to do oh my god so i did that for nine months and all of that groomed me to be sort of like a leader and the lead and the principal and all that kind of shit and then i went back to hubbard for another season contingent on some specific things that I wanted and needed at this point of who I was in the world. Um, Six months into that contract, I was aware that those things were not being honored, so I broke my contract and left and ended up in a huge lawsuit with them for 20 years and was banned from the premises and like all these wild things. And, um, you know, so I, you know, look, here's what's in high school, the high school, the high school, the book that you get, like the senior class book, I was pegged most scandalous male. Really? There was some shit already in the ethers about how I was supposed to navigate around life. So it makes sense that I partnered up with Madonna. Scandal, scandal. It makes sense that I had done certain kind of things. So, and, you know, I talk up, I speak up. I don't shy away. I'm a bit sort of rock and roll as a dancer. And so... It can be a little crazy. So that's where I come from. 
So now, okay, so this is, so you're still in Chicago, like in the 80s, right? You're not in California yet. Correct, yeah. Mm -hmm. So now, I just want to talk about the 80s for a minute. Okay. What type of, so first let's talk about the fashion, because, I mean, we talk about Wild Boys, Duran Duran, Wardy in the 80s. What was your fashion like? Did you have all the parachute pants? No, I, 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 I never did what they did. Right, so I gotta look at this. Hey, okay, we're talking eighties. I left Hubbard. I joined Hubbard when I was fourteen. I graduated in eighty-two. So, yeah, the mid eighties, the early eighties, mid eighties. I was definitely a little punk. I had mascara, not mascara, but like eyeliner. I was definitely doing like a mohawk thing or I was definitely in like, like, okay. Do you remember an image from years ago of Brad Pitt when he, um, like the moment when he kind of blew up and he was on the cover of Vanity Fair, right? And it was him in like a woman's long fucking polyester dress but he was sitting on like a wood thing and he had some funky stanky boots on yeah like that was my shit i was always into like a dude vibe with definitely the shoes on i'd either do combat boots or i would do like hard like dress shoes like stacy adams like og black urban fucking italian shoes stacy adams those like like that. silk dress socks, but then I'd do like a caftan or like a crazy skirt, but then I'd have like a sport coat and a tie on up here. So it was all kind of rigged out and weird. I was also the black hippie dude. I mean, I'm an earth shoes dude. Today, I, I just got two new pair of clogs. One is my favorite. If you've not done steel toe clogs, they're the jam. Steel toes. They're so fucking good. So I was like a black hippie dude at the same time. So my fashion was fashion forward, but it was definitely in the bohemian. I Here's what I've always said. I think somewhere I was supposed to be a music artist, like a rock and roll music. Here it is. And I had to finally just own this. And this is fucking fact. My current make my way through COVID inspiration is the person, I never thought I would fucking say this. If I was gonna be somebody else in the world or who I actually am trying to get people to think I am, Lenny Kravitz. Okay, can I just tell you something? I 100% just knew you were gonna say Lenny Kravitz. I swear to God, hand to God, yes. No, come on, dude, really? Hand to God, well, you're describing like, you could have been a music person. You're saying rocker. I swear to God, I was thinking Lenny Kravitz. That's, that's, Hands to God. Yeah, so I was, even as a young age, my dress was like I was a rock and roll celebrity person. I had that swag in my fashion. There ain't nothing wrong with Lenny Kravitz. Have you seen the current fucking photo of him? I, I cannot even. He's so hot, and he's like how old? Like, 50s? He's my age, so don't call him old. I'm not saying, listen. Jesus, you just said, dude, we're the same no, fucking age. No, I said, 56, bitch. 
I said, how old? No, no, no. That, I, didn't, I didn't call him old. I just said, he's how old? Oh, that doesn't mean old. No. Listen, I know Duran Duran, so that should tell you something. Oh, wow. I didn't this see that picture. fucking Lenny Kravitz, y'all, at 50 fucking six. This belly looks like 29, y'all. Yeah. That's my inspiration. I that's said a it. That's a good, ins- I swear, I was, I, th- I was like, I think you're channeling. I just, I was going to say Lenny Kravitz. Yeah. I've so- never, ever publicly said that, ever. I just realized, it t- I'm saying like a month ago, just realized you want to be fucking Kravitz. Like what? Like, are you just like replaying the old music or you're just rediscovering or just discovering Lenny for the first time? What happened was I, you know, because I had been all into Miss Naomi Campbell, right? So she has her unfiltered. Um, series, interviewed stuff that she's doing, and she just interviewed him. So I've been following her for other people, and then, oh, it's Kravitz. And then I happened to get this magazine in within the same week. He's a good one. And I'm looking at the shit he's saying in the interview, and I'm like, that's how I feel. That's how I felt. I get it. And I was like, you want to be him? Oh, my God, you want to be fucking Lenny Kravitz? You fucking skanky creep. Yeah. So... I love him. I get so, it. Yeah, music is standing out. Everything is Kravitz right now. I have no, he's, he's, he's one of the greats. No, you no. You have something to like model yourself off of, right? Boom. The music is great. His style to me is, of dress is great. Have you ever seen like his apartments and homes and like his Kravitz well, design? Know, he's in, like official. Yeah. Interior. Yeah, it's it's yeah. gorgeous. It's yeah. gorgeous. When Queen Latifah had her talk show on, he designed her entire set. Stunning. Yeah, and he's he's Who's designed a lot it? of apartments in New York, like a lot of yeah, buildings. Well, that's why you ain't got to worry about no album deal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so before we get into music for a minute, I want to set the scene in the eighties, also. Okay. Even though you like to throw all How my... How old are you, by the way? Let me put it this way. I'm not as young as I look. Well, then don't fucking go shy if you make me tell my shit. <laughs> I, I, I <laughs> How old are you? You know, I'm not, I'm, you know, like, I'm in, you know... You're it's... actually pausing? Okay, You're listen. Stalling. Wow. Viewers, look at the schism that's happening from Yotif. The wait is over. That's right. Season five of The Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. This summer, the world must answer one question. Why has no one made a popsicle that gets you high yet? That's right, it's summer, and it's time for you to get your hands on America's new favorite product, Danksicles. 20 milligrams of THC in two great flavors, the latest and greatest innovation from IndiCloud. Is IndiCloud the greatest company to come out of America? Maybe. But what we do know for sure is that IndiCloud is the best way to get dispensary-grade cannabis delivered directly to your door, 100% legally. Yes, they ship legally to all states. No medical card needed. 
Whether it's vapes as big as your head, flowers you won't find in your mom's garden, or of course, popsicles that get you high as What are you waiting for? Go to indicloud.co slash spring24 and get discreet delivery on top shelf THC products. Head over to indicloud.co slash spring24. That's co, not com, to snag 30% off your first order. Well, here's the thing. Now I'm about to say something and you're going to, you're going to, you're, you're questioning all of my hard research I've done. But okay, so let's talk about in the 80s, in addition to the music, which we're going to get into in the fashion, you know, there was, we had Ronald Reagan in office. This was, you know, like the height of AIDS, like back in the day. So you were diagnosed. Yes. Which is a public fact. I'm not saying anything. So I'm just curious, like, because I mean, back, you know, back then, in the beginning, like to me, HIV was like a death sentence, you know, with what was going on in the world. So A, I'm just curious, like, were you scared after you were, I mean, like, what was that like? I'm truly curious. I've known that I was a beast and I didn't care about any of it. Like it didn't fuck with me at all. Really? No, of course, dude. (laughs) No, I mean, like, well, I no, mean, I'm teasing you. I'm teasing you. Okay. I'm well, I mean, you're here. No, I get your point. There, there's some folks. I know some people that rode the journey really well, where they were transparent with people that they were close to in their life. You know, they were just transparent about it. And I was not one of those people. You know, I was in a lot of shame very early on. Um, and. But I remember having, on the day that I was diagnosed, I was in Hawaii with Hubbard Street. We were doing, we were on tour and I was gearing up for a tech rehearsal. And I had, I had gotten sick around December and this was like the beginning of January and we we're on the road and I just was not feeling well. So I'd gone to the doctor just about not feeling well, really was not thinking about anything else. And I was in my hotel room and I, and my doctor called and he was like, I have the results. Are you sitting down? I sat down and he started talking. I don't even fucking really know what he said. I was gone, dude. And I just was like, oh my God, I was dating a female at the time. And uh, I just was like, what the fuck? And she was in the dance company. So, you know, it was, uh, it was the thing that's turned me into who I am. And for that, I'm extremely grateful, extremely grateful, you know, um, switching to like current day right now, you know, COVID happened and this is real for COVID. COVID dropped and I was instantly, real talk, bring it on. I've already lived through the street narrative and everybody's scared of you and nobody should get close to you. And I got I know how to manage all of this. And it was amazing. So never in my wildest dreams did I think that uh, that thing that I had such hiding about, that I had such shame about, would be the critical ingredient I would need 30 motherfucking years later to not just help me through, to help a bunch of other people through something. Never saw that coming. 
So, you know, the 80s journey was crazy. I had a lot, I, I didn't have a lot of friends that were dying. I had, you know, I saw things. Um, Wait, I have another question. Is there something that interferes with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? For me, listen, I love being the host of the Behind the Velvet Rope podcast, but bringing you guys five shows a week, tracking down the top Bravo celebrities to bring you new creative content every day, that causes me stress. It causes me anxiety. I'm not even going to get into the lack of sleep or lack of a relationship. So I needed somewhere to turn. And for me, I turned to BetterHelp. I love BetterHelp because it's professional counseling right from the comfort of your own home. What they do is they match you with a licensed therapist who is a professional that fits your needs and the things that you want to talk about. So you may not have the same issues as I do. They also deal with LGBTQIA issues anger, grief, trauma. If you are having relationship issues, if you're in a relationship, good for you. I'm not. They really deal with everything and everything you share is confidential. So I cannot stress how much, because of this job that I love so much, it has caused me some issues and BetterHelp really is a lifesaver. Right now, if you guys also want to start living a happier life, as a listener, you get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash velvet rope. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash velvet rope. Betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash velvet rope. And as a listener, you guys get 10% off your first month. Try it. I promise you, you are going to feel so much better once you talk to one of their licensed professional counselors. And listen, so many people have been using BetterHelp. They're actually recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. DM me. Let me know how it goes. This has been a lifesaver for me. But somehow God, you know, I'm a big God dude. Mm -hmm. And uh, God put on my spirit the day we came back to the company in the dance studio, minutes before 10 a.m. That's when company class was, freezing cold outside. And I remember standing at the bar and like getting ready. It was going to be my first time really like taking bars since I got that news. And I was like, my spirit said to me, there's no fucking way this thing is taking you down. That's what I heard. And I was like, hand on the bar, let's go. And I was plie and I was, and I've said like to this day, that was one of the best classes, me classically dancing I've ever done in my career. I was on my shit, on my leg. My sense of like, come the fuck on, nigga, was right there, dude. And that has been the ingredient that's helped me. So I think that, you know, God has had me in a relationship with my alternate self. You know, there is this version of us that is skin and bones and your skin and my skin and all that. And then there's that other thing that's evergreen, you know, that's all power, all knowing. And I was brought into relationship with i put i was able to have each of them in relationship with each other very early on in my life and that's been the glue that's sustained me and allowed me to thrive well throughout all the journey so 
And even early on, you know, like you said, you didn't have maybe a lot of friends dying, but like what you saw, even like the early days, like you, you know, like if, if it was me, like I would have woken up every morning just totally nervous. Like today's my last day. Like you never went there. You just always believed. I mean, I'm human, you know, so I had moments throughout the early years for sure, scared and nervous, but I was a street, I was a little boy from the South side of Chicago, you know? So I was not new to fighting. I was not new to getting your brain to think some shit opposite the crazy in front of you. And I literally remember pulling on those elements going, come on, dude, this is heavy right now. Remember that moment when you had to prove your strength? Now you have a real reason to prove what you made up. All the bravado that you like to do on the stage, you know, to entice people, all that. Now you got a real reason to prove that you something and not just have it be some shit out the side of your neck. That's yeah. how I came at it. That's how I managed it. And to me, cause I've said this before, I made the parallel with Corona too. I mean, is that how, cause like, look, we know more about Corona now than we did in March. I mean, in March, I wouldn't even walk across the street. Sure. Is, did it feel the same to you? I mean, even though now you had the power. Again, it didn't feel the same to me. Right. Because I wasn't stressed about this. <laughs> I really was not, and I'm not. I'm mindful. Right. You know, and I knew, again, I knew uh, coming right into COVID to consciously, consciously bring in all the supplements and the alternative practices that I've used over the years and integrated to keep me healthy and keep me fortified and keep me cleansing out funky energy. I knew to mount up in my house and start those as a regimen on the regular. And here I am and I'm doing well, so. Okay. So musically, you love yeah. Lenny Kravitz now, but let's go back to the 80s. Who, before we get to what we're about to get to, like who were your musical, like did you love Madonna before you got involved with her? Like who, who were your musical I mean, so I'm, you know, I'm, I was going to say older than you, but you never told me your age, so I don't know how fucking old you are, so I can't say that. So we'll just keep dodging around the elephant in the room. Okay. Um, <laughs> Michael Jackson, for sure. Michael Jackson. Me and my brothers, you know, I was a baby, two brothers over me. We would do the Jackson 5 in the living room. And of course, who was designated as Michael? Yeah. So, Michael, the Jackson Five, um, Stevie Wonder, Marvin Gaye, Isley Brothers, um, you know, Barry White. That was my shit, you know. Um, Casey and the Sunshine Band, you know. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I, I, I was not somebody into super pop music. That was not my thing. I just didn't come from that culture. You know, the Madonna thing for me, yeah, I mean, of course I knew who she was. 
but that was not the music that I, I did not own one lick of her when I auditioned for her. No, I had to like go get her music and get really up to speed with it and like do my research. Um, you know, again, and to that, like when I got the Blonde Ambition tour, I had already been cast to go on the road with Whitney Houston. And Whitney was paused trying to figure out what her tour schedule was going to be. In that interim, I was booked. M had her audition. So I was like, fuck it, I'll go to M's audition. I didn't need it because I already got a major tour in my pocket. And I say that to say Whitney Houston was my jam. Black boy from Chicago. I didn't care about a little white girl. Whitney Houston was the deal back then. You know what I mean? So I was listening to her stuff and again, God being God for me, hallelujah. You know, I was like, oh my God, now I'm getting an offer from the, that version. What the fuck are you going to do? And my spirit told me, go with him. And it ended up being brilliant because, you know, as I've said before, Whitney ended up only going to Japan for three weeks. That was it, huh? That was that whole tour ended up only being a trip to Japan. And the Madonna thing for me, it rolled out to everything it rolled out to. So that was divine guidance, brother. And how does that work? Just like if you get like a tour with Whitney, like you don't have to sign something like you're on hold. Like, I don't know how it works today, but like it yeah, wasn't like yeah, that. Totally, exactly. So I was booked and on hold. But you could still go take another job. Well, I mean, you, you can always go audition for anything, even if you're on hold. You know, and then it's just up to you to decide if you let them know that you have another thing. So that's what I did. So they didn't know I was going in on the Madonna audition. I went on the Madonna audition. And once I figured out what the offer was from the Madonna side, I was like, eh, Whitney, I'm canceling. I'm not going to go. And they weren't ready to go. So it was okay. It's that not is... like I had, you know, pulled myself out of the rehearsal process or anything. They hadn't even started anything yet. So it was like, perfect. And it only ended up being three weeks in Japan. Three weeks in Japan. Okay. And Madonna's been decades, decades, roll into something else. Yeah. Okay, so now how do you, Carlton, find out about this audition for the Blonde Ambition Tour? Like, where does, is it in a newspaper? Oh, it was simple. No, no, no. I mean, I had agents. You know, I, I came out here, you know, I've been, I'm definitely a strategist with my career, you know? So I knew when I came out here to visit a girlfriend of mine who was the company manager with Ballet Met. That's a whole different story. Fatal attraction, less the knife stabbing. Really? On the roof. For real. Um, anyway, so yeah, I came out here, met her, hung with her for a week, found an acting class that I wanted to join found an agency that said if I moved out here that they would sign me. So I went back home, I sold all my shit in three months. I took the train out here, 500 bucks in my pocket. And so I had an agent. And so that's how I got to that audition. And it was just a regular agent call. And it was, you know, thousand plus guys. Cause that call was specifically men only. So it was a gazillion guys from all over the world, met in Hollywood and um, I got chosen. And then how does that, is it like just one day and it keeps getting like narrowed down all day? Yeah, no. So this was all day cutting, weeding down, you know, these many cut, 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 cut. And then we left and that was it that we knew. And then I got home 
only like, I think maybe 45 minutes later or some shit. And because everything was voicemail, I mean like, you know, yeah. I had a message from him. Hey Carlton, it's Madonna. I'm going to this club tonight. Can you meet me and some other folks there? Blah, 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 blah. I was like, what? Went there and pretty much now it was all the guys that ended up being on the tour. And I think, well, I don't think I know. That was her callback. So she was like, I saw y'all dancing enough. I said, I see what that is. Let me see how the fuck y'all party. And let me see how you handle some booze and some saucy and see if we can really roll. She's smart that way. She's like, we got to ride or die on the road. Let me see what y'all fuckers can do when, when you get loose. Was she at that thing during the day when they cut, cut, cut? Was she, oh. Yeah, it was her and Donna and Nikki only. And the choreographer. And yeah. so we learned stuff and then she was like, okay, not, not him, run this other section, all that stuff, yeah. Oh, actually, we did the club night and then at the end of the club night, she invited us who were at the club to meet her on Sunday for a hip hop class. And that was the class that Oliver was teaching. And she took the class and we took the class and it was at the end of that class in the studio that she walked up to me at the mirror when I was changing my shirt and asked me if I wanted to go on the road. That's how I got my invitation. At the end of the hip hop class. Going back just for a second to that day where everyone was being cut, were you, I mean, like when you walked in for the first time and saw her, were you just like, oh my God, or she was too far removed behind a table and you're like, I just got to do my thing? No, again, I mean, I was into meeting who she, I was into seeing that person that I'd heard about. So yeah, there was some of that, but again, I wasn't, it wasn't superstar crazy for me because I, I wasn't a fan of hers in that way. I didn't own any of her music, you know what I mean? But I was aware that I was gonna get to see somebody that was a big deal. Well, what if it was Michael Jackson and he was sitting behind the table? But it wasn't. Michael right. Jackson is a, is a black dude from Indiana that would have had a whole different effect than a little white girl. Trail. So. What was the like? What was the night like at the club when she was like when you guys were oh, on the air with her? Super duper, all kinds of yike. yummifiedness. Yeah, dude, she just hung. We literally just straight up kicked it. Drinks, partied, sexy, over here, over there, laughing, enjoying. Literally just hanging at a club, and she partied like like I was surprised that she hung as loosely as she did. You know, that she was as like fucking throwdown chick. I was like, all right, okay, okay. It was and fun. You weren't nervous hanging? Like, you know, like every move I make is being watched. No, you were just like, whatever. No, because, you know, David, I had already, I'd already been in a blossomed career. You know what I mean? I, can't, I was with the main company in Chicago, which, you know, I already met Warren Beatty before I got to Madonna because Warren Beatty was dating Claire Bataille 
before Madonna, who was the main female of Harvard Street Dance Chicago. So I remember us having performances in Chicago and Warren Beatty coming backstage to get Claire's number. So I was already dancing all up in all that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'd already been interviewed, I'd already been on TV. So, you know, being up in the camp of that, it was just another level of it. It wasn't like I'd never touched it before. So it was like, oh my God. But then when she came up to you at the mirror and said you got the job, you were like, wow. Well, she came and asked me if I wanted the job is what she asked me. And you and said I yes. Asked her when it was, no, I asked her when it was happening that I already had a contract, which I did. And so I said, let me talk to my team and thank you and cool. And that's honestly how we left it because that was my truth. So I couldn't just say yes to her. Again, I wasn't about her like that where she could just whip me into crazy. Like she didn't have it like that for me then. And just, this is my own curiosity. What does like 1990, you know, it's a different time. Like what does a dancer on a major tour like with Madonna make? Um, 1990? Like when the tour was going on. You know, again, I was in a different position because I already had a career. So I got to negotiate mine in a different thing. I was getting three grand a week. Okay. I mean, I'm just, I'm always curious, like what? Yeah. And that a was dancer top gets. dollar back then. Yeah. Top dollar back then, plus you got per diem of like 75 bucks a day, you know? So, and for sure you, your meals for dinner time for the most part are being paid, at least for all the times that you're performing because you're at the venue and we have private chefs. Like our tours were private chefs, private planes exclusively. I never traveled coach. I never tried we never traveled on a regular plane. Really? Like, M was amazing because she allowed us to audition the chefs that we had, because we had two chefs, one that lived on the plane and one that lived at the venue. And so when, when she was in the process of vetting them, she wanted us involved and like, help me sample the food and you let me know, should we have this, should we have that? So that's, she was amazing in that way. She really helped create a rock star vibe for every member of her performing team, not just her. We got writers for our dressing rooms. What do you want in your dressing room? I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want. So we were all really fucking spoiled the fuck out. It was amazing. So you guys must have been like, this is the shit. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. And then Gautier is doing your shit. And then Dolce Gabbana sending over stuff. And then they actually come and they're shaking your hand and they're saying, here, put this jacket on. You're all up in the, at that level. That's how she was treating her dancers back then. Wow. Cause I mean, it, I, that was one of my questions. So it wasn't like she's on the private jet, you're in some bus. No, it was back then my tours, we were all together. I know right after I finished the girly show tour, cause girly show was the same way. Blind Ambition, Girl Show, private tours, private everything. I know friends and dancers that traveled with her on the tours right after that, and they flew coach. They flew in commercial, and she flew private. It was a whole different dynamic. And you guys all flew private with her? Exclusively. We never flew any other kind of way. We never traveled 
from one location that needed that much time without a private plane. Correct. I mean, so the Blonde Ambition Tour was her third tour after a Virgin Tour, after Who's That Girl? And I mean, at the time, it was one of the biggest, you know, the highest grossing tours ever. Yeah, that's what they've been saying. Asia, North America, Europe. So, like, as you were on the Blonde Ambition Tour, like, did you, I mean, I know you were into Whitney and all these other people, but, like, did you take in, like, the power of Madonna to, like, the people that were there. Sure, totally, because you could not take that in once you're actually on the stage and you feel, and this was something I did not ever experience in my career, nor could you see coming, the scale of the fucking energy hit from like the crowd that's that like, yeah, crazy for her. I never experienced that before. And that was, that's when I was like, you're inside of something, dude. Like, you're inside of something. Like, for real, for real. For real, for real. Awesome. <laughs> Did you ever tour with, like, other big names after that and see a difference? No. no. I was really close to being on the road with Kylie. And, again, they were trying to ask me to room with somebody. And I was like, you've got to be insane. Like, I don't, I don't travel like that. And they kept going back and forth and it's favorite nations and I ain't got nothing to do with it. Your kind of favorite nation. So I turned it down. You're yeah. like, I've already toured with Madonna. Well, I've already, but, but it's not even the, the Madonna thing. Like I've already been, I've already been positioned in the world. Even me as a soloist dancer with dance companies, I got my own room. I, I'm a soloist. Like, I, I get treated a certain kind. Like, that's what I've earned. I've earned that. And I was very clear about that. By the time I got to that Kylie thing, or other jobs since the Madonna shit, when they would try to invite me. Come on now. And that's what not it? about ego. And this is, like, an important conversation, you know, because some people will twist that. And there is no better gift that anybody can give themselves or the world as a contribution other than rightful ownership of who the, of who they are you know and a lot of us do get that skewed i got it skewed for far too long in certain realms of my life i'm still trying to make amends for that hear me you know um but i did have enough of myself at those stages of the game to rightly decline what was not appropriate it's almost like knowing your worth is not the same as ego. Absolutely. 100% said. Yes, sir. So, I mean, what does it mean for a dancer? You know, it doesn't have to be Madonna. Like, what does it mean for a dancer to be chosen for a tour? You know, today, Gaga, Britney, Ariana, Taylor Swift. Like, you know, what does it mean in, like, the career of a dancer to be chosen by, like, a quote-unquote Madonna? Sure. Like, you know, is that life-changing for someone? For the career? It, 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 it depends on which artist you get with, really. You know, again, Madonna, for our stage of her career and the way that she navigated what we did with her, you know, she, she and the accomplishment of Truth or Dare in and of itself made us household names in and of itself. You know, 
there aren't many artists that are showcasing their dancers to that degree that becomes career changing in that kind of way, the way that she framed us. You know, I, you know, I mean, even like you look at dancers that, don't get me wrong, it still is a great job because it's still a steady job. You get to learn all the things about, you know, being with the crim, crim de la crim and how they make their choices. Like that's critical to learn. And you can only really know that if you get to play in that game. So in those ways, it's career changing organically, right? Um, but like even dancers now, you know, like I have agents that are, you know, when So You Think You Can Dance was a show that would talk her talent away from doing those shows because they did nothing but put some money in their bank and those dancers still had to go back out and audition after they had won So You Think You Can Dance, tried and tested in all these different styles and mediums and all the trickery that they had to prove themselves on and they win that nationally and still have to go audition for somebody's fucking music video. Kiss my ass. That's why I had to get out of the game of only being a dancer for so long. Seriously, that's the reason I escaped to become an actor because I needed to have a bigger voice. I needed to have the decision-making for me come down to something other than this thing. Yeah. And what, you have more decision-making as an actor than a dancer? Absolutely. As a dancer, the grooming is simple. You stay silent, just the organic structuring of the room, David. You're silent and you learn choreography. And they tell you the dynamics, not that slow, this fast. And you just do that. You don't get most of the time, unless they're moving into improv and guided choreography, are you able to say, but I don't like it like that. I would prefer to do this. You're expected to do that as an actor. You're expected to come in with a point of view, with a position, with some ideas for the character. And as a dancer, nobody asked you, nor do they want your idea when you're doing structured choreography, the bulk of choreography. So that's what the difference was for me. Again, I got in trouble as a kid because I talked too much. My voice needs to matter. How was it on the tour, Blonde Ambition, like with the other dancers? Like, was it, I mean, was it like Game of Thrones? Like everyone wants Mama M's attention? No. No? No, no. Well, you know, so the, the guys were, well, there was... A, a couple of crews. So there was the Jose and Lewis and Slam crew, which was boging. And that brought on a very specific different energy that was very she-man and very Chanel and very club gay loud and all of that. Then there was like Kevin and Gabriel who were really like the sort of modest nice guy, dancer people. Kevin is still my ride or die. He's a great, great buddy of mine. We're in constant dealing. I love him. And then there was Oliver, who was probably the most of what you're talking about, 
all of it was like, oh, I got to make sure everybody knows that I'm here. See my jacket. See that I'm here. And I, I, like, I couldn't stand it. It was just crazy. I love him. He's my boy now. And I, you know, I call all this shit out to their face and they know kind of where I was. Um, so I did not spend a lot of time with dancers. Even when I was, aside from M's tour, when I was a dancer in the dance company, I just always wanted to have a broader body of information. So I hung out, when I was in a dance company, I hung out with the crew. When I was on M's tour, I hung out with Nikki. She was my family. And she is still a big part of my like real family family. And so, yeah. So at what point of the Blonde Ambition tour do does it come to your attention that this is now also going to be a movie, Truth or Dare, or just a movie? Like, I mean, I, I know the cameras were there, but at one point did M or Alex Kasessian or somebody say, we're making this movie? That's a good question. Thanks for tuning in to part one of our sit down with Carlton Wilburn. And stay tuned for part two, where we really get into the behind the scenes of the classic documentary, Truth or Dare. We talk how he was changed from the movie, how Carlton was changed from being on the Blonde Ambition and Girly Show tour. Madonna today, what he thinks of her on Instagram, the Madame X album, the Madame X tour, and really just more behind the scenes with Carlton. Stay tuned for part two and Strike a Pose, the movie about the dancers from the Blonde Ambition tour from a few years ago, which he starred in. We're going to talk about that in part two as well. So tune in. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're Behind The Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon, because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind The Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me, and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.